You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Hey, wide camera. Hey, close up. Hey, Ryan and Bryce and uh, everybody out there. Hope you're uh, you're enjoying your the beginning of your week. Last week was Mental Health Week, and uh, for Inside of You. And if you uh, haven't listened to it, you you should because uh, it's free therapy, and these women are amazing therapists. And I hope I read the comments and. It sounded like everybody really, really enjoyed it, and I'm and I'm so happy. And uh, they were my therapists, so and they are my therapists. And uh, hearing Zach Levi talk beforehand about his um, how it saved his life and saved mine, mine in a lot of ways. But it, but it's a non. Uh, it, it's something that you just have to keep doing, keep working on yourself. I don't think you just go to therapy and go, oh, I'm fixed. Uh, if you don't implement, you know, routine and structure in your life. Um, also, my sister, she's working hard right now trying to you know, keep routine and, uh, diet and all these things. And, um, wishing her the best. I, I like to see, uh, people just putting one foot in front of the other. I get so down on myself because I, uh, I, I definitely, uh, you know, you take a step forward, two steps back. I think it was a song. I'll take one step forward. I'll take two steps back. Who was that? I'm sure you guys are going to tell me, you guys are going to let me know. Um, just, I, I get overwhelmed. The little things, I've got to figure that out. Why is it that the little things, I, I just go, oh, I can't figure this out. I can't figure this out. It's not like, it's like all day, but I, I just, I don't like that feeling. And then I start saying, why are you feeling like this? Let's, let's, uh, okay, let's do something about it. Let's fucking breathe. Take deep breaths. Walk outside. Get out of your head. Fuck. I do it. I do it. Thank you again for listening. Make sure you subscribe to uh, the podcast, the social handles on Instagram, Inside of You, at Inside of You Podcast, and the Twitter, Inside of You Pod. We're also on Facebook. Write a review, subscribe. Please watch the YouTubes if you're listening. It really helps uh, for many reasons that you might not even understand. Thank you to all the uh, lovely patrons. I'm wearing pants today. I decided today I'm going to wear pants. So uh, I don't know. I'm excited about it. I'm excited about pants. Uh, I feel more together. Maybe what you dress is who you are. I don't think that's true. Maybe it is. Maybe you feel a bit more confident if you you know put clothes on. <laughs> I don't know what I'm talking about. Uh, the um, podcast, um, live podcast in Austin, Texas with Zach Levi, uh, scheduled for July 2nd at the North Door. Uh, we're rescheduling that because of this whole pandemic and everything else that's going on and... Um, so uh, it will happen. Just it's getting pushed a little bit. We'll let you know on the podcast and my Instagram handles. Um, uh, stage it's thank you guys for um, checking out my friend Rob Danson and I. He was my guitarist in Left and Laurel. We had a we played two shows live on Stage It this past Saturday, a two o'clock show and a six o'clock show. It was fantastic, and we thank everybody for forbidding and all this crap. It's not crap, but um, uh, also the Inside of You store. If you want to get any merch. Uh, new sweatshirts and new cool shirts, uh, inside of store.com and uh patron. If you haven't joined Patreon, it's an amazing community. Just go to Patreon, P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com inside of you, Patreon, and check out all the cool things. It's a great community. Uh, you'll meet new friends and, uh, you get bonus material and a bunch of cool stuff from the show. And also, uh, the other Patreon I have is an exclusive, um, uh, where have all the good horror movies gone with my good friend, John heater and Napoleon dynamite. And we talk horror movies, reviews. We, tons of fun shit. Just go check it out. It's easy. Um, I think that's pretty much it. You know, by the way, um, you know, I could sit here and talk about all these things that are going on in the world. And the thing is, is you hear them. I think, you know, you know, I care, you know, I I have a lot of love. I've put Instagrams out there. I've, uh, I, I donate, I do whatever I can, I feel like, you know, on my podcast, I just try not to get political. I try not to get, uh, I just want you guys to, you know, anxiety and depression aren't something that could be political. I mean, they are, I mean, because there needs to be more done about mental health. But what I'm saying is, uh, this is a show where I hope you learn from my guest and, um, you get something out of it. And we talk about things that, uh, you know, they faced. So, so if I don't talk politics, I hope you don't uh, get mad, but it's just, I don't know enough about them anyway, and I'll end up sounding like an idiot, and uh, so I just choose not to. Um, this guest is hilarious. I've seen him do comedy. I've done stand-up comedy with him. Um, he's got a huge podcast, Bad Friends. Andrew Santino, funny man, uh, 
we really talk about it's nice to hear about that, you know, his family life, how it all happened for him, his attitude towards the media. Um, and I really enjoyed this one. He's a uh, he's a funny guy. So I hope you enjoy this as much as I did. Uh, let's get into Andrew Santino. It's my point of view. You're listening to Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum. Inside of You with Michael Rosenbaum was not recorded in front of a live studio audience. Oh my God, Santini. The great Santini. How many times have you heard the, uh, the great Santino? Yeah, it's terrible. I've heard that before. It's just... Um, What's terrible that, about it? Just unoriginal. Because the great Santini was a, a magician. Santino is a respectful... He's a respectful comedian? Is that what you're going to say? He's a respectful comedian. I'm a respectful comedian, and, and, my last, and the last name is... Um, it means something. Santino means uh, massive foot. I don't, I don't believe that. It does. Look it up. Massive foot in Italian. Santini, but there was a movie called The Great Santini. Yeah, The Great Santini is a magician. San- Santini was a magician. But that's not what I'm I'm saying. I'm saying there was a movie called The Great Santini. It wasn't about a musician, a magician. What was it about? It was about The Great Santini. He was uh, he was uh, like uh, in, in the military, and he was like really hard on his family. Oh my god! Hold on one second. I've got my um, Robert Duvall. Look at my housemaid just brought me my steak and eggs. Thank you, housemaid. Your housemate. My housemaid, my maid. Yeah, she comes down to my sex dungeon and brings me. She's going to be mad. That's my wife, and she's going to be pissed off that I made that joke. That's it. That's it for me. Will she really be upset by that? No. <laughs> no, she won't. She doesn't have a choice. She um, puts up with a lot from you. Yeah, but good, though, right? I'm, I'm asking you. I mean, th- She does. She puts up with a ton from me. I'm going to eat during this. I feel like this is only appropriate because of what's going on in the world to eat during this. Yeah. Um, That's good. Because I, I, was, um, I was marching all night. That's a lie. I don't believe you were out there. No, we live in the suburbs. <laughs> Did you protest at all? Honestly, I didn't go down there. No. Did you? Do I feel, should I feel bad? Is, I'm so mean eating. We don't have to record right now. I just wanted to say hi to you for a second before we go. Yeah. You want to eat, eat for a minute? I want to eat and talk. Let's just eat and talk and see what we get out of this. <laughs> How are you really feeling about this whole thing? Honest, it's all over the place. Um, immediately pissed off and just disgusted when I see that guy kneeling on george floyd's neck and and yeah. him begging for his life just honestly disgusted there's no there's you, you can't i i can't believe anyone would have a different opinion on that i just i won't even hear it i don't think anybody does i think if anybody does it's all <clears throat> it's all fabrication for this for the sensationalizes sensationalism of media and and um uh um and uh, just for clickbait, you know what I mean? Like if yeah. somebody puts something out there being like, this isn't that bad, it's them clickbait. They just want to get attention to whatever they're doing. I don't buy that anyone doesn't see stuff like that and doesn't get disgusted or get sick. I just don't, I don't buy well, it. Well, I'm sure there are people out there who are just so racist that they're, they love it. Maybe, yeah. I yeah, guess, there's I sick guess people right. out there. That's unfortunately, the, you know, that's sort of my point is like, you're not going to change the sickos. You're not going to change the people who, look at someone differently because of the color of their skin. You ne- we're never going to change that. There's ne- we're not going to just wake up. It doesn't matter. I mean, I think it doesn't matter who your leader is, but I just don't. There's, it's how you're raised. If I ever said the N-word or a gay thing in front of my parents, a gay joke, my parents wouldn't stand for that shit. They just wouldn't stand. Now, comedians, you could do certain things. I'm telling you, that shit didn't fly in my house. You couldn't make an off-color joke in your home? That just wasn't the way it goes? Nah, I couldn't say something that was derogatory. I mean, look, I think everybody, like, you hear it, people say it, your kids, you're trying to fit in, you're doing things. I grew up in Indiana. Uh, but overall, I just didn't think like that. I wasn't, it's, it's how you're raised, man. You know, my parents, I think if they would have been like, think about it. Like how many people uh, agree with what their parents say? If their parents are conservative, they become conservative. If their parents are liberal hippies or whatever, they sort of have that liberal mentality. Don't you agree with that? To a degree. But then I think also there's that teenage, um, that like teenage angst rebellion, rebellion yeah. shit. Yeah. Oftentimes people come back around to you know, being how their parents are, but also if you're educated enough or you're smart enough, or you have enough insight. I think what it comes down to honestly, because education gets thrown around people like, Oh, if you're educated, um, I, I, I genuinely think my opinion is people who, um, I, this sounds cliche, but people who travel, 
And I mean that in a sense Worldly. of like, not, not like, well, not, I'm not saying like, I went to Spain for my senior trip, you know, like, no, I mean like when you get out of your own area element, yeah. even if you travel to two States away and you see other cultures and other people and how they live, I think you begin to open up your mental state as far as like, oh, there's a lot of different, there's a lot of different kinds of subcultures across this country. And you think about that as a microcosm of the world. But who does that? What percentage of people? I don't know anybody in Indiana or Kentucky or the, you know, where I grew up and went to college. Many, most folks just stuck around there. That was the whole thing. I almost stayed there and worked at grocery store or or, uh, pump gas that I was going to do that. So most people don't get out. Imagine you as a gas pumper would be incredible. You would have been the best gas pumper, the most handsome gas pumper on this side of the Mason Dixon. You think so? Yeah, man, you're a handsome. You're a handsome yeah, boy. You got true. a nice chin. You got great teeth. Yeah, dude. No, I, I agree with you. I think a lot of people don't travel, but um, outside of their own comfort zone. But um, I think it's more than. Ed- I think that's more than education. I think you can be educated about the history and the trauma of this country racially, and still not really feel that different about it because your bubble is really nice. And when you get out of your bubble, I think is the only way that you can actually see how the world operates. I mean that, whether that influences you negatively or positively. Well, you know, you say that, you know, what I think about is this, if your parents suck, if your parents teach you to hate, if they teach you to say that, Oh, this, this color is these, these are bad people. These are, these are, look at these, these we're superior. Hopefully, hopefully you have some really amazing teachers that, that, that tell you differently and they and you and you go with what they say, you know. So hopefully, if you have shitty teachers and you have shitty parents, you're fucked. Your parents were teachers. One no, of your parents were, no, no, no. What were your parents? My dad had no patience. He would be my teacher. What, what, were, <laughs> what were your parents? How do you not know that math problem? Are you an idiot? I can do this backwards. That's what my dad. Um, what yeah. did your dad do? He worked at a pharmaceutical company. You know, so big pharma. I mean, you know, he was like a plant, he became a plant manager. So growing up, like he worked at pharmaceutical companies and he was making no money. We were living in duplexes in New York and then Connecticut. And finally, when we moved to Indiana, things started to to get better for us. What city in Indiana? Evansville, Indiana. I know it well. As a Chicago kid, we have a lot of love for Indiana. That's where we could go buy cigarettes and gas for cheap. <laughs> I love Chicago. You go to the boy, you cross the border, you get yourself some cigarettes, you get gas, you can get all sorts of stuff. Indiana was always so ch- much cheaper than Chicago. It was always such a nice little... Uh, a respite for uh, for the priciness of the city. And then if people uh, from Indiana came to Chicago, we liked them because they were simple folk. Yeah. I, I, by the way, I love I love the people. I go back and I just, I have a lot of good friends and family. That a lot of people I just love to see. And just, you know what it is? When you go back, I don't, I don't know if you feel this way. When you go back to Chicago, you go back to Indiana, immediately, I don't know what it is. You just kind of feel like, ah. <sighs> Oh, dude, I love going home. I'm waiting for the day that I can get rich enough to just move and leave L.A. and not have to be here anymore. I like L.A. a lot, but I just want to go home sometimes. I think that's how um, I'm sort of getting to that point where I just, uh, you, I, I think, I look, uh, t- you tell me, we're inside of you today, Santino, great Santino. Mm-hmm. But, you know, coming from like Illinois, coming from like these, this Midwestern atmosphere and then coming out here and then becoming a big comedian and getting a big show and doing movies and tv and all these things like don't you think you've lost some of yourself honestly do you think you've become something that you're like god you know i I, it's not that i hate myself but there's a certain element that i just feel like I'm, i'm forcing things or i'm or i'm just always anxious or i'm always trying to be better and the and the best and and chasing something like that do you think that makes life a little shittier i don't know i mean I could. I don't know what else I would be doing. Like, what else am I going to do? Well, I'm not saying that. I'm saying more, more like the, the just the that pressure, the pressure of, uh, you know, being great, the pressure of uh, success. Yeah, but I guess what I'm saying, what my, I guess my, what I'm saying by that is like, I, if I didn't have that pressure, who would I? What would I be? This is the only thing that drives me, that fuels me, as far as like a career goes. As a human being, I think I haven't changed my my compass hasn't changed as far as what I like and dislike and my morals and ethics. I think those things kind of stayed pretty solid. I don't think any of that stuff changed when I came out here at all, but I think like, you know, I, I, I just feel like, um, this is the only thing I've ever loved and ever been good at. So the negatives that come along with it, like all the pressure and all that stuff, it's a part of the thing. 
because that's the payment you have to pay to live the life that we get to live, which is I get to fucking make people laugh for money. It's the fucking greatest gig on earth. So I don't, so I don't care that it comes with a lot of anxiety. I don't care that it comes with some sacrifices in life because anything great or anything worth it, you're going to have to sacrifice. Name any person that's done anything of any substance that didn't sacrifice something. It doesn't exist. Yeah. So I just feel like if, if, if losing certain elements of my life uh, are the sacrifice for this freedom that I get to just like use my brain to make money and make people laugh and that's like my literal job, then fucking I'll take the sacrifice. Do you let it overwhelm you? Do you does your wife ever say, you, you've got to go see a therapist or you've got, you've got to go go for a run. You've got to work out. You got to do something. You're honestly too much. Yeah, but I kind of check myself down. I know better. I run almost every day, like uh, anywhere from like four to four to seven miles a day. So that's my, I do that myself. Like I know when I'm overwhelming and I'm like, all right, I got to go. And I just take off. I do it all the time. I go for a drive. I know when I'm too much, but like, I don't ever, I find if I, if it's damaging me or my friendships or relationships or whatever, you know, and you just have to like give your, put yourself in time out and just kind of step back a little bit, you know, like I've never let it, I never, I've never let Hollywood take over me. I've never been like, you know, fuck my friends. I'm just going to, you know, I'm going to be on this solo path and do it. No, but has my work ethic or drive or whatever kind of, um, uh, uh been a hindrance on personal and, and love relationships. Absolutely. But this come again, comes with the territory. I don't think I've sacrificed anything major for it. You know, I've never like, I've never destroyed something just so I could build myself up more. So I've never done that, but I think it all comes to the territory. You know what I mean? I think that that she knows she's been along for the ride for a long time. So she knows the nonsense that comes along with this of late nights at the, at going out and doing shows and everyday working and weekends you're gone. And I think they, I think she understands, you know what I mean? It's, it's something yeah. that you kind of, you, you know, you, it's a, it's a compromise for sure on, on the, the wife or husband of a comedian is it's such a compromise. They have to, to know what they're getting into. It's, it's tough, but it's like, if you're aware of it and you're honest about it and you're not, cause I, I get upset when somebody goes, Oh my God, Rosenbaum. Oh yeah. Center of attention. I used to be like, fuck you. I'm not the fuck. What the fuck? And then I realized, no, you are, you fucking idiot. That's part of you. You want to go into a room and you're insecure about something, your looks, your personality. So what do you do? I want everybody to think I'm funny and then they'll like me. That's been embedded in me since I'm a kid. So I think once you accept those flaws and no matter what people say about them, you're like, okay, you can't let them hurt you because they're actually, what hurts you is usually true, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, that's probably, that's where the insecurity comes from. Something about it is real, but it's funny that as you get older, the insecurity is, um, uh, the, the insecurities change, you know, like when you're a kid, like when I'm a kid, it's like, Oh, red hair. And it's like, Ooh, red hair, fire cross, all that stuff that you're like, like annoyed about. And then you get older and it's like, that stuff couldn't hurt me if you try. I mean, there's no, there's no name you could make fun of me that would hurt my feelings. It's like, really, dude, I've, you, there's nothing, you don't know. This is, I hurt me more than you could ever hurt. What me. about That's swollen foot, thick foot, <laughs> thick foot? No, San, I don't know what Santino really means. I kind of want to look it up now that I lied to you about that. I believed you. You fuck. I'm naive. I'm so gullible. I know. I know. Well, actually, Santino yeah. is, um, uh, Santino is a meaning of the name. And I apologize for eating on this. I just haven't eaten no, today. That's fine. And this segment is going to really bore people. So tell us what Santino means. They're going to really love to hear this. The name of the meaning Santino. There we go, folks. The etymology historical Santino is the Italian pet form of Santo, the Italian word for saint. That's right. Okay. See? So it means sacred saint. Santino essentially means little saint, a, di- a diminutive form. Santino means little saint or just saint. So um, I'm the shit. And what does Rosenbaum mean? I think it means red. Another Jewish guy? Red tree. One more Jew. That's what it means. Red tree. I, uh, you know, it's funny because I got a friend, Yarvo, and he always looks at me and goes, you look way more Nazi. And I'm like, Jesus Christ. Because, I mean, no. I mean, you look like just Aryan. You look like more, more than that than Jew. And I'm like, I don't even know what to say about that. Rosenbaum means, ro- yeah, it's, it's a German word. German, red tree. Red tree. It's Rosenbaum. Rosenbaum. Sprechen Sie etwas Deutsch? Können Sie lesen und schreiben? Yeah, yeah. Licken und mein Arsch. Ich habe in der Hosen gemacht. I shit my pants. That's what I said. Are you a Nazi? No, I'm not. I hate Nazis. Fucking Nazis. Wait, but you're Jewish, right? (laughs) 
Because I, I can't do this if you're not Jewish. I, <laughs> I am Jewish. Of course I'm Jewish. Okay, yeah, because if you're not Jewish, it's like that's a waste of my time to be not. Do you think you're doing things now? You're in a place where you kind of say whatever, not to say it's shock value, but sometimes you just say whatever the fuck's on your mind. But what you always like that, even in college or whenever you started to stand up, do you think you kind of found your voice? And you're like, this is what works for me. Where I think that- I always said what I felt, but you just I just wasn't as good at it back then. You know, like you're just I'm just I just wasn't a good stand up. When you start, no one's good. I mean, the only kid that's that was probably good when they started um, through historic lore was probably like Chappelle. Um, you know, a lot of people say Chappelle when he was 16 was a phenom. Like he he was ahead of his time. I think his intelligence level was through the roof. He just understood stuff at a young age. But no, most almost every comic you love and know is not good when they start. So. I knew what I wanted to say. I just didn't know how to say it. And what the were best you going to... through in terms of like when you were first starting out? Were there times where you wanted to quit? I suck. Were you getting anxiety? Did you get down on yourself? No, you know, I always, I mean, I, I knew I was, I mean, this sounds um, pretty, uh, you know, not humble, but like I knew I was better than most of my peers. Like it was very obvious at a young age when you start stand up that you go, okay, out of the 50 people that I know that I constantly see at open mics or whatever around town. I'm one of the top 10 of these people. And you just know it. You know what I mean? You just kind of like can feel where people rank and you don't really talk about it. And as time goes on, it becomes more obvious. That- do you think that's material or do you think it's a combination of like, do you think your energy was just better, your persona, or do you think it was the material or both, both of them? When you're young, I think everyone's material is shit. When you start out as a comic, your material is bad. You just don't know what to talk about. You haven't had a lot, a lot of life experience, you know, that's why there's not a lot of good 22. How many great 22 year old comedians do you know? Right. Do you know what I mean? It's like you haven't lived enough life. You haven't felt enough on stage. You haven't been through enough, both in the comedy world and in your personal life, to really cultivate something that's worth listening to. Yeah. Unless, of course, you have. Again, I go, back to <laughs> Unless, right. I go back to Chappelle, who, like, I think he was such a phenom because he lived an interesting life and he saw the world from, uh, from two very um, interesting lenses of like growing, being born and raised in DC. And then moving to Ohio. And he talks about it a lot. Like you go from like being a young black man in a, you know, a very racially integrated city with a lot of disparity of, of money and the, the dispersion of wealth. And DC is a, is a very fucking crazy city of like the richest of the rich and the poorest of the poor are four blocks away. And when I say rich of the rich, I'm talking old money, not like the guy in Beverly Hills who has a house in the hills. That guy's bullshit. DC is like nine generations of wealth, you know, then you move to Ohio where it's predominantly white and he had to experience, I think these both, I'm telling his story, but like, I just think, but it's rare. You're saying it's rare. It's rare for someone young, unless you have lived, which at that point he had some of that in him, which made him good. And he was just a gifted, it was an anomaly. Extremely gifted. Yeah. But But for the most part, yeah, None of us have, have lived that you, much when we're that young. Well, were you ra- like, did you like your parents? Are your parents good? Were they nice? Did they love you? Did they all that shit? I mean, I killed them when I was 12. So okay. I don't really, okay. I don't know much about them anymore. I, uh, <laughs> I beat my mom with my dad. I picked him up and I, and I, no, my parents are great people. They're good people. I mean, I, they, they, I had, um, a very normal, ch- I mean, and it's a, a sense normal childhood as much as it could be. My parents are divorced and then my mom got remarried, but. I call my stepdad my dad. He's my guy. And I and he treated me like a son, you know? Like he so I I didn't have a disadvantage of like daddy issues. If I have daddy issues it's because my real father who's you know not really wasn't really in my life, but I had a stepdad who was just a good a great dude to me who treated me like a son. Do you feel like your your uh your real dad not being around not you, do you feel like you have any kind of residual effects from that? Do you feel like abandonment issues at all? From that, I mean, a therapist would probably say, yeah, you know, psychologically, I'm sure there's something deep inside you, but I don't recognize it as an adult. I like, I don't consciously recognize it because my life is good with the parents that I, that I have, you know, like I used to always say to people that say, Oh, your real dad. I'd be like, well, my real, that is my real dad. My stepdad is my real dad. Like my biological father is the guy that, you know, I have, I share blood with, but my real dad is my stepdad. That's my real dad. Because did he ever reach out when you had more success? Did he ever say, Hey, we've kept in contact over the years. I talked to him four or five days ago. We keep it, we keep in contact in very large, in like big waves. You know what I mean? Like it's, I look at it like, um, I, I literally look at it like, like, like waves in the ocean. Like sometimes I catch it. Sometimes I don't, you know, sometimes we don't catch a wave for a long time. Sometimes we'll talk for two, three weeks on end every few days and kind of be in conversation. And then months and months will go by and then we won't speak does he know how you feel uh, uh, uh probably not truthfully probably not i mean he, i think he's 
I think he gets it. I think he understands how I feel, but I don't think he's, I've never sat and talked with him about it, but it's also because, um, I don't, what would it, I don't know what it would do for me. Do you know what I mean? Uh, like, yeah. I've said that to my wife. It's like, I'm, I'm fine. Like I, I'm, I'm happy with the family that I have and I wish no ill will on the dude. I, I, I got love for him in my heart cause he's my blood, but also, um, I don't know. I'm like, I'm, I'm grown. Do you know what I mean? Like when you grow up, you're kind of like, I'm already, I'm a man. I'm, you know, you might, you know, that I don't know about like, that. <laughs> I'm still figuring that shit out, man. man. You're a boy. You're a boy. You're a boy. You're I'm a big boy, boy, man. No, but you know, I, part of me is like, you know, I think in my feeble mind, uh, you know, I wonder what would it be like if let's say that was my situation. If I'd want my father one day to just say, Hey, I want to say these things to you right now. I was this, I was that I'm, I apologize. I'm sorry. You deserve better. You got a great, whatever, everything you wanted to hear, but maybe you don't need to hear that. Yeah. I mean, I don't think I do. I don't want to. I mean, in the <laughs> sense of like, it doesn't really, it doesn't really matter to me. I don't, that sounds so, so disrespectful. It doesn't really, I don't, I'm cool with it. You know what I mean? Like, I'm like, yeah, we're, well, I was going to say, you know, that song cat in the cradle, you know, cats in the cradle and the syllabus. That's literally the story of my life of like, it's like, hey, dad, hey, dad, hey, dad. And dad's like, oh, you know, I'll be back someday. I'll be back soon. I got to go work. And then when the dad gets older and he's like, hey, son, and the son's like, I just like me. Yeah, he's like, I got my own family. I'm doing my own thing, dude. I got to go. But do you think you do that subconsciously to sort of like as a defense mechanism deep down where it's like, hey, I'm busy. I got my own shit. I'm going to keep busy, busy, busy. Because a lot of people, if they stop for a second, they go, oh, fuck. And I feel like I might be one of those people. I know friends that if they don't, if they stop for a second, depression kicks in, anxiety kicks in. Yes, sometimes, but in this case, in regards to that, it's more like um, uh, I just I don't do I don't do it out of spite or anything. I do it just because I'm like I do I just have my own things going on. Like I'm just kind of like you know I've got my own shit. Yeah. I don't know I've got like my oh, so much of my own shit that it's like we're just two men. That's how I look at it. Like you're he's just a dude. It's it's like saying sometimes I call friends and sometimes I don't talk to him for a long time. You know my oldest friend in the world. I talk to him every once in a while and then sometimes we'll catch up a lot and then sometimes we won't i feel like it's the same relationship it's just two men as men get older you just start to realize that like friendships um friendships are these things that like you 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 keep nurturing as much as you can and if you don't talk to each other for a while it's all good and then when you come back to it yeah if you're mature enough you'll understand what it is and you won't hold any like yeah, dude, where have you been? Where have like, there's more of like a, hey, dude, you're busy, you're this, but you know I'm here, and there's yeah. an understanding. And I have friends like that where I don't see them all the time, but there's a love. And some friends, you know, I got to be honest, I don't hang out with a lot of people. It's just I, people would say I have so many friends because I do. I have lots of friends, but the people that I really hang out with, I got, I, I just, I ultimately, I deal with anxiety, I deal with shit, and I want people around me that just sort of like. I don't want people around me that just kiss my ass. I don't want that. I just want people that make me feel like I could just lie down, watch TV, and not think of entertaining anybody. Do you have a lot of friends outside of the business? Um, you know, I have friends back home, a couple friends back home. and um, Nobody here, though, in L.A.? Uh, that are not in the business? Oh, yeah, yeah. My best friend growing up who was like, he was my mentor. I mean, dude, the guy, he was a popular kid in high school. When he came up, he used to come up to my house, and I was like this shortest kid in my high school. Picked on, whatever. And he used to always say, hey, come to my, I think I've told this story, but he's like, hey, come in, I'm having people over, my parents are out of town. And I'd show up and I'd hear other fuckers going, why is this fucker here? I hear it. And, and I'd hear Tom go, he's cool, man, he's cool. And I remember when he came up to my house my senior year and goes, hey, dude, I'm thinking of going to Western, Western Kentucky. And I go, yeah, I go why don't you, you want to be my roommate? Want a room? And I'm like, uh, yeah, you're popular. I'm not, this could be a way in. And I went and applied to fucking uh, whatever you do. What do you, you don't know, apply. You uh, apply. You apply to college. No, it's not the word. It's uh, you. Uh, don't you, you apply to schools? You, yeah, you apply. I guess you do. I shouldn't have gone to school because I don't know that. <laughs> and I got in and we were roommates and he became sort of like, dude, this guy's funny. Watch him do this impression. Hey, I used to make money doing impressions with a, with a little bucket. And uh, we'd ha make enough money to have uh, breakfast at Murray's the next morning in Kentucky. Anyway. Um, so I have him. He's been my lifelong friend. I have a note that he wrote me in an envelope back in 90 fucking six. When you were 32? When I, no, when I'm fucking tw mid 20s. Or 45? You were 45? Because what are you now? You're 62 <laughs> you or 63? I'm 47. Um, and it, I have it downstairs and it's framed with a, like, it's just a kind of a collage. And it just says, you'll never, um, 
understand you, know, you have my undying friendship forever, whatever. It's something just really beautiful. And it means a lot to you, but you don't know what it says. That's, that's good. Well, I didn't memorize the fucking thing. I don't have a great memory, <laughs> Santinas. Uh, no, but listen. Um, so do you have those friends that, because I have, a, I, I'd say a lot of my close, close friends aren't in the business. I have celebrity friends like, you know, Bobby Lee, you're my friend. Uh, you know, we don't know each other that well, but I consider you like, hey, I'd go have a beer with you. Anyway, I don't hang out with uh, tons of celebrities. Yeah. Most of my fr- my closest group of friends in Los Angeles aren't in the business. I mean, they're ancillary, but they're not like they don't do what we do. They're not uh, they're not on our side of it. They're on the other side of the camera. They're like a lot of guys here work in production, or they right. work. You know uh, what yeah, I mean? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, my closest group of friends that we hang out with the most. Um, yeah, no, they don't. They're just they're in the business. But I, when I say that, I mean like they're not actors or comics or directors or producers. They're just people that work in the business on the other side. So my, that's my closest group of friends and outside of comics. I mean, you know, oh, by the way, I want to talk to you about this. How do you deal with criticism? How do you heal, he, deal with hecklers? How do you deal with uh, people who don't think you're funny trolls? How do you deal with those guys? I don't, I've talked about it pretty openly. I don't give, I don't care even a little bit. If you don't like my stuff, I always say, this is my suggestion to people that like, um, that are, that like uh, get online and hate, like, uh, you have every right to like be like, oh, you suck. I hate you. I don't like your shit. Fine. Okay, that's fine. Then after that moment that you say you don't like me, then disappear me from your conscience forever. Disappear. Don't even. Don't watch me again. Don't follow me. Don't talk to me. Don't comment. It's that easy. If I go to a restaurant and I hate the food, I'm just not gonna go back. Why would you go back? Eat again and go. Yeah. See, I, I knew I didn't like this food. Like, yeah, dummy. Don't ever come back. If you don't like me. <laughs> Don't come back. I don't, I don't give a shit. It means nothing to me that you, I think people want to be significant and they realize they're insignificant. So when they're mean online, it gives them some sort of significance because usually it attracts other people to talk shit back, right? When somebody writes something negative on any of our pages on mine or on bad friends or whatever, our fans will just attack them. And I'm, I always delete it because I'm like, no, don't waste your time fighting for me over this asshole. Just let them be a sad asshole by themselves. These people are going to die a sad, shitty life, and I just don't care about them. If your whole life is consumed with being, uh, with talking shit about things you don't like online, like without any sense of like, you know, uh, jovialness or, or or just kidding around, or like, if it's just it's just these these like vitriol attacks on people online, which happens, those are just sad, lonely people. They're hurt. They're hurt, and they need something to make up for their hurt. I like the analogy, the, the restaurant. That's the best thing. You go to a restaurant, this food sucks. Don't go back. And if you do go back once and it sucks again, certainly don't go back the third time. I just don't go back. But, yeah, I deal with it in the way that any of us do, which is, like, it's a, it exists. There's people that are going to not like your shit. Dude, all the time. You know, people are going to say, I don't think you're the – I had some guy wait in line. It wasn't even – I don't think he was just being mean. I don't know what he was doing. He was at a convention and he was in line and I always take times with my fans and I'm talking to him and he just goes, he waits in line for like 20 minutes. I mean, probably five. My lines aren't that big, but uh, he, he comes up and then he goes, Gene Hackman's the best Lex Luthor. And I go, I agree. Absolutely. And he goes, Oh, all right. Well, keep walking. I've talked about that, but it's just like, I don't, I really don't care. I honestly don't get upset. I just did a role and I hope people liked it and that's it. I just do the best I can. And, and look, does it hurt my feelings? I'm a human being. When I read a, if I read a bad review and it goes, there was an article once that says, so-and-so is not funny. So-and-so is not funny. Michael Rosenbaum will never be funny. <laughs> it was just, I don't even know what it was. And I go, what the fuck? Don't, I don't read that shit. Sometimes you think something's so good like that you did that it's only going to be praised, but no. There's going to be don't people. Want, don't, yeah, but but don't but don't don't look for the praise or the negativity. I know, I know. Like I know that sounds cliche, but like uh, I've said this openly all the time. I give zero goose egg. I give goose egg credit to critics. They mean nothing to me. I don't give a shit about what critics think about my work. You can publish that. You can fucking staple it to the wall. I don't give a fuck what any critic will ever write about me for the rest of my fucking life. I don't care. But your character on Dave, didn't he go up to a, that's a character in a TV show. Didn't he go up to the guy, the guy and go, Hey, yeah, you wouldn't fucking sign me. You fuck. Wasn't that you? I don't give a shit about <laughs> critics. I, you know, who I care about the fans. Of course. I care about people that pay good hard earned money to come watch me, to come support me, to be a part of my journey as I try to entertain people. And I, it, I'm not being, I'm being extremely genuine. 
I've learned so much in the past couple of years to like really appreciate fans and people that are like, yo, I, I like you. Why would you pay attention to people that say they don't like you? I've only heard, honestly, I, I don't hear anything bad about you. I, I'm not kidding. It's not like, I, I don't know you that well, but I'm telling you like Bobby Lee is a very close friend of mine and yours, of course. Love. And you know, Bobby has a huge heart, but what people don't understand about Bobby is that Bobby will not hang out with people who make him feel shitty or aren't. So you guys go at it on bad friends and you say, and I want to get into that. But like Bobby, if he didn't like you, he would it just wouldn't want to be anywhere near you. And so if Bobby loves you, that means a lot to me. Well, he, he, him and I have such a great relationship because he knows that any, anything we get at each other just because our personalities clash. And that's why the show I think works. And I, but for us, um, the truth is like, we have so much love. Like he, he, he goes back with me in the comedy store. I mean, he's really one of the reasons that I got into the system early on. Cause Bobby used to tell the old manager, he was like, you got to watch Santino. You got to watch Santino. And it's just cause we loved each other. You know, like we always, we always would get at each other, but it's just because we really, really like each other. He said something. You guys were talking about me on the podcast. You're like, oh, I got to call that fucker. fucker. But Bobby said he, it's weird. Cause he does. He sticks up for his friends. He's a great dude who cares about, the right things he needs to care less about the uh, some of the other stuff like he's somebody i tell all the time like he reads the comments he gets in his head he gets in fights with people he thinks what people say is valid you know when some jagoff is like bobby lee is not funny or 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 says something negative about anything he's ever done he takes it to heart and i'm like bob it that it means nothing you cannot pay attention to someone just saying something to try to hurt your feelings you know like he does that way too much and i'm trying to get him to be better about it but it's difficult. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. I don't know how many times I have to talk about this, but it's so important. If you're sitting there right now and you're stressed or you're anxious or you have a lot on your mind and you just bottle it up and you don't know what to do, it's going to come out and it's not going to come out in great ways all the time. Um, BetterHelp has helped me substantially. Ryan here have been using it for a while. And I you know, don't you notice when you don't use BetterHelp, when you don't have therapy? Oh, the weeks where I miss a session, of course, yeah. Yeah, it's just it's 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 like the more you talk about something, even if you don't think you have anything to talk about, things come up and it puts your mind at ease. And we all carry around different stressors, you know, big and small. And at times we keep carrying them around rather than processing them and letting them go. When we keep them bottled up, it can start to affect us negatively. Therapy is a safe space to get things off your chest and figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Therapy from BetterHelp is helpful for learning positive coping skills and how to set boundaries. It empowers you to be the best version of yourself. It isn't just for those who've experienced major trauma. It's for all of us. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire and get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. I think people think, oh, what if I don't like my therapist? If you don't, you switch them. It's that easy. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com inside today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash inside inside of you is brought to you by rocket money i love rocket money you know why because everyone should have rocket money because it just helps you save money how many times do we have subscriptions that we don't even know we have anymore and we're paying so much money just throwing away money ryan i i found one you and you did it you told me i got rocket money Okay, I found one. It. I'm embarrassed to say how long it's been going on, but thank you for finding it. <laughs> My God, it was embarrassing. <laughs> yeah, because it's like you want to watch some show and you go, oh, I have to subscribe to this uh, this streaming dev- uh, whatever. Mm-hmm. And you, you start streaming the show, you watch it, you leave, and you forget after this trial period it kicks in and it's they're charging terrible. you 10 bucks a month. It's, it is embarrassing. Ugh. You know, 75% of people have subscriptions they've forgotten about. Before I started using Rocket Money, I thought I had, you know, like, oh, I have like five subscriptions. I could not believe it when they showed me I was paying for like four extra uh, between, you know, streaming advices and fitness apps, delivery services. It's never ending. And thanks to Rocket Money, I'm no longer wasting money on the ones I forgot about. 
Rocket Money is a personal finance app that finds and cancels your unwanted subscriptions, monitors your spending, and helps lower your bills so that you can grow your savings. Rocket Money has over 5 million users and has saved a total of $500 million in canceled subscriptions, saving members up to $740 a year when using all of the app's features. Rocket Money will even try to negotiate lowering your bills for you by up to 20%. All you have to do is submit a picture of your bill and Rocket Money takes care of the rest. They'll deal with the customer service for you. I don't like that. Stop wasting money on things you don't use. Cancel your unwanted subscriptions by going to rocketmoney.com slash inside. That's rocketmoney.com slash inside. Rocketmoney.com slash inside. When you guys are doing your show, it's, it's obvious to me that you do most of the work. Like Bobby just shows up. What are you talking about? <laughs> I, I, it's just obvious. Bobby shows up and goes, all right, what are we talking about today? And you kind of have to. It's, it's funny because it's, it's the perfect dynamic. It's the perfect, like, you're, like, going off on something. He's like, why? And then he'll just question you on it. Do you guys plan things out? I mean, because it's got to be hard because it's a successful podcast. It's big. I mean, you know, bad friends. Uh, but, like, you, you're talking for an hour, sometimes an hour and 20. And do you, do you have you done episodes? You're like, ah, that just, I don't know. Just wasn't funny, that that's episode. Didn't work. So the episode that we put out, I don't know when this is coming out, but the episode we put out today, June 1st, um was tough we took we took a few days to do it we've never done this before we usually do it in one day together um but we took three days we tried it once but but that was a flub and then we tried it again and there was emotions were rising because of what's going on and what's going on right now and then we had to do it again to kind of just like talk very candidly and openly about you know I think this was a special circumstance. Like we usually knock it out and we have a great time and the rhythm is good. And it just flows for an hour and a half. Sometimes, you know, an hour and did you piece it together? Like you wore the same shirts three days in a row or did you just try it new every time? One day we threw in the trash. We threw the first day in the trash. And then the second day, um, we just had to, yeah, we just had to go over some stuff that we wanted to just clarify. Cause at the end of the day we were exhausted. We were just like tired and we were annoyed and, emotions were high and so we were kind of like were you annoyed with each other did you fight with each other no 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 i mean emotions were high in the sense that we were like angry and annoyed and fucked up about this whole thing and like really didn't know how to feel and didn't know how to talk about it because we're a comedy show and at the end of the day i was like this is a fucking comedy show you know we're trying to be funny and bobby was upset he was like i feel off i feel mentally exhausted and i'm angry and i'm annoyed and i like it kind of affected what we were putting out and i was like we want to put out a good product and I said to him, I said, you know, Bobo, if you want to like tape again tomorrow, let's just come back when you, we feel better, when you get, get, go to yoga, get more sleep. And he did, and it worked. It was nice. And I'm, I'm the same way. I wasn't feeling good about it. I was annoyed. I was frustrated. I didn't know how to talk about stuff because I just, here, here's why. There's so much to say, and there's no way to do it the right, there's no way to properly say it all so i was frustrated we were both frustrated it's like there's so much to say about it so so so, so you keep cur- current topics like you you know i've you guys kind of just rant and go off and you say things like you know you did a trump thing you did whatever you know a split screen kind of like you know or no biden was answering you know you were answering and that was it was funny and bobby's like that's not funny and then you're going it's funny that that just the dichotomy or whatever the dynamic yeah no we usually plan there's some bits that are very produced and, and plan that we make sure we bring to the table that we can talk about but sometimes they get thrown in the trash and we just like we go from wherever we're going how many people are involved in this i know there's you and Bobby, and then there's you have a producer. How many producers do you have? As far as like episode production, it's it's me and Bob. I mean, and and when I say me and Bob, I mean it's me. No, it's it's we like <laughs> it's me. It's me and Bobby. It's me and Bobby and uh, George and Andreas sometimes have suggestions for the show. That's great. You know, they help, but they're most of that stuff is a lot of post production, a lot of like editing, and a lot of the graphic design comes from these two people that we use that I used for my for Whiskey Ginger for my show um joseph faria and uh, jenna sunday i so they were my people for whiskey ginger and i brought them over to bad friends they're the ones that do like the thumbnails and a lot of digital art that you see that gets thrown up and a lot of like the great segments that we put up they do all of the art for that so there are artists do you think that's important for like you know for instance you know i have a podcast i just film it, me and the me and the guest and that's what it's just a different kind of show totally. but, you know you guys have sort of a talking show and it's produced and it looks like you know you you put something into it. It's not just you go in there, record it, it's done. Somebody edits it. 
it seems like there's a lot more to it. Yeah, podcasting is not that. It's not that easy. And everybody has a fucking. But the other day I looked on it, I was like, another actor's got a fucking podcast. Like, how are you? How do you compete with this shit? It's a ton. I mean, we do that show for that reason. Like, I, I think it is fun for us to do produce bits and to kind of like make it a show. I, I like making it a show. I mean, I think it's fun to be a fucking show. It's two of us. So it's like the show is me and Bobo. It's like, that's the show. And so producing bits for it is, is very entertaining and very fun. So we have a team uh, that help us out and George and Andreas edit. And we have Rudy, his, you know, his, uh, his niece is in the room with us now. A woman with very few words, but when she says something, it just cracks she me up. She was a gift from like the comedy god because she's... It's not funny. <laughs> she's our inside mole, dude. Our little inside tracking mole. So yeah, we have a good team of people that like help out, make the show visually look the way it looks. But from the inside perspective of the bits, a lot of most of it's just me and Bobby kind of formulating what to talk about week to week. And uh, yeah, man, it's dude, it's the most fun. I, I said this the other day to my wife. It's the most fun I've ever had in comedy since I was an open micer. I mean that. Like, dude, I've played theaters of my own that I've sold out. I played in arena. I played arenas with Joe Rogan. I've done arenas of people. Like, you know, it's funny because when I'm watching, I'm like going, "Who? What friend could I get to do something along these lines?" No, I, I really thought of. It. I go, but yeah. you know, not the same thing, but just two personalities that we kind of riff on what's going on in the world. And I was like, who? Who would? Because you guys have a very tight group. Like, just, I mean, you have, you, you, have, you guys all came up together. People are like, oh, they've got this click. Well, you, you guys have all been friends for a long time. You, Dalia, Rogan, uh, Bobby Lee, uh, Kreischer, even, right? Yeah, it's just Segura and those guys. They kind Segura. of, it's, it's all kind of formed this like weird little podcast group, but like it was organic. I mean, I say it all the time. The Bobby and I show was not born from anything but the fans. I, People talk, there's this running joke because Eric Griffin asked Bobby to do a show with him years ago and it never happened because he started doing Tiger Belly. And then, you know, some of the fans, we joke around that it's like, oh, Santino stole the show from Eric Griffin. But the truth is, uh, I have my own show. Whiskey Ginger does very well for me and they have Tiger Belly. And the fans, anytime I did Belly, the fans were like, you guys need to start a show. And Kalila, Bobby's love of his life was like, you should, you guys should really do the show together. The fans keep saying it. So it wasn't us. Like we didn't, the only time I went out of my way was when I physically made it happen was when I went and got the studio. You know, we started to put the equipment together, which, you know, that's, I did all that shit because I was like, all right, let's try this. If it works, it works. If not, not, but I didn't consciously do this as like a, I'm making a podcast, Bobby. We got to do this together. It, it, this was the fans were like, do the show, do the show. They kept telling us to do a show. So we were like, okay, let's try it. And it, and it worked. It wasn't a, this wasn't some great plan of attack that we had in mind. You know what I mean? Yeah. And I'm jealous. I should be. I mean, I, I love Bobby and I just, we have a great dynamic too, where we kind of can flip out, flip out on each other and yeah. we stole him, you know, so I'm going to go have lunch with Eric. Hey, honestly, somebody <laughs> needs to have lunch with that guy. <laughs> All right, listen, this is called shit talking really quick. It's just quick questions, quick answers from uh, my patrons. They're just loyal fans who love the podcast, and I just I just love them back. Here's Leanne. What's been your favorite podcast moment so far? Whiskey Ginger, Bad Friends, Guest Appearances. What? What's the one moment you always think about? Um, like I say, every week, truthfully, is the most fun I've ever had on Bad Friends. I love Whiskey Ginger because I get to sit with one person in a room and drink whiskey and talk shit. You never asked me. Thank you. Dude, you have to come through. I mean, dude, honestly, it's been really challenging to be very to do honest both. with this and the pandy. Like, I'd rather, I want to sit in a room with you and drink. The whole point of my show was actually to really sit and have a drink with someone and really talk to them. Cause I always feel like, you know, whiskey's a lubrication of the soul. So I feel like you really do get some great, in interesting conversation when you have a drink with somebody. And a lot of my friends are sober, which has been a challenge, but I'm a lightweight though. You get me drunk off one, one sip. I'm just going to, I'm going to start. I'll, I'll get kicked out of Hollywood. I'll, say, I'll be saying That's so much. That's why shit. I do the show. Cause I want people to like be honest, but anyway, bad friends every week is great. And whiskey ginger is great. But the, some, some of the most fun times I've ever had on, on a podcast were, uh, uh, inside you with Michael Rosemont. No, um, <laughs> honestly was, uh, anytime I do YMH, anytime I do your mom's house with Sigour and Christina, it's always fun. Cause I get to go in there and I play this character. Um, I get to play this character with them. I get to do this thing where I, I get to, he leads me down these doors of like crazy bits. I've created a fake relationship on there with a guy named Rick, who I fell out of love with. Like I have this love story on that show and it's just, it, it, all that stuff is just fun improv. Did you study there. acting? I know this is questions now, but did you study acting? No. You know, I noticed because I watched some clips and I'm like, wow, pretty impressed. And then I wanted to, I wanted to ask you that. I forgot to ask you. I, I did. Um, 
I did journalism and English in college was my minor. So I did, uh, very boring. I try to learn how to do, um, TV talking, you know, that's what I learned. I try to learn how to do that stuff in college. And then I did theater, I did theater in college, but no, it wasn't like, I didn't go to school for acting. All right. Raj. I love Raj. You adopted, your adopted Indian bit is hilarious. What's the story behind putting that character together? Oh my God. There's a guy named Raj Sharma, oddly enough, Raj Sharma, who's a comic. Do you know Raj? Do you know Raj Sharma? You ever heard of him? I don't think so. Doesn't mean anything if I don't know. Him. Long story about that bit. I that bit was like. By the way, that that'll get me canceled at some point. I do an Indian accent um, because Raj and I, good friends and stand up for years. And whenever we, I would do the accent to him, and uh, Raj was always like, "Dude, you got to do it on stage." I was like, "I'm not gonna do that on stage. It's so stupid." And the crowd was so bad one night at the Laugh Factory. He's like, "I'll give you a hundred bucks if you do the Indian accent for the whole set. You have to do it for the whole set. You can't break." So I didn't. I did it. It ended up on you know, their YouTube and it got millions of views. And then I had them take it down. Cause I was like, that, I wasn't, that wasn't supposed to be for the internet. You know, like I wanted it just for the live show, but they threw it up there. And then somehow it got leaked a million times. People do love it. Dude. I have more, a white person would be like, so racist. I've had more Indian people come up to me and be like, we, we love that bit. And I'm like, Oh, it was just kind of for the night, you know, but yeah, it came from Raj Sharma. Raj, tell Raj, Raj unless that's Raj, look at that's Raj Sharma asking you that. Do me a favor, tell Raj he's the best patron ever. Best patron ever in an, in an adopted Indian accent. Oh, patron? Yeah. Oh, because he's a Patreon fan? No, 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 he's a patron of mine. He's a patron. I have a Patreon account, so he's a patron. Patreon? Yeah, Patreon. It's like people, they want extra footage, bonus stuff for the show. I know, but you're saying patron. It's Patreon. Well, it's Patreon, but he's a patron of Patreon. Look, you! Forget it. Raj, you are the greatest patron of Patreon I've ever seen, man. Thank you so much for being a part of the show. We want to get inside you sometime. Wow, that's pretty. You know how many people have come up to me and say how accurate it is? There's got, there, there are literally people. I, I don't even want to say it. It's just like, if I was listening to somebody, I'd be like, wow, that's, you know. I mean, I do certain things that I'm allowed to do. Like I could do a pretty good Jewish, you know, like I could do a good impression of my grandfather, you know. He looked at me. He always looked at me, whatever, go, you're a nut. You know, you're a nut. Look, what is, what are you worried about? What is it? He would, that's how he sounded. Where's your grandfather from? New York. Bronx. By the way, can you, can you do, everybody does a Harry Carey. I probably do the best one you'll ever hear. Well, let's hear it. You think you're better than Will Ferrell? <laughs> yeah. I think he overdoes it. <laughs> I'm just kidding. I love Will Ferrell. But why do we always have to say that? What if it's my honest opinion? No, you're I, allowed I, to say I, it. I, I think the best guy was John Campanero. This guy, this guy from uh, this comedian Campanelli. No, remember John Campanelli? John Campanera. Campanera. I said right, didn't I? Yeah. John Campanera did the best, and he kind of taught me. So, all right, you, you tell me. Close your eyes. Here's a fella, Dave Concepcion, hails from Havana, Cuba, where the sun shines. 365 days a year, and he misses a pop up in the sun. How to, there's a trickling ground ball to say over to Durham. Hey, check out the guy in the sombrero. High fly to left field. That's very good. That's very Wills. Wills is um. What's the word? Uh, he goes. <laughs> Wills is uh funnier. Yours is more accurate. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yours is more honest. But to be on SNL, you got to. No, no, no. Wills is brilliant. I'm just saying. Yes, right. His his impression and all that. But I just remember Harry. Are you Carey. a Cubs fan? No, but I always had to watch him because I was in Indiana because all they had was fucking Cubs and fucking Braves and fucking Cardinals. Sorry, guys. Who are you a fan of? Then? I'm a Mets fan. I was born in New York, but I grew up in Indiana. Yuck. Sorry. All right, quick fire. Mary B. How soon do you think it will be politically correct to joke about the virus? This virus crisis. People have been joking about it the whole time. What do you mean? People have been, there's so many comics that have been kidding about it right now. I, I, you can joke about it if you want to. I don't know. What's the joke? That's what I always say when someone's like, what's too soon? I don't know, man. What, tell me the joke. Tell me what the joke is, and I'll, it's usually never too soon if the joke is funny, you know? Harlan, a lot of people taking shots at, the, uh, at like, try to make jokes about the virus, and it's like, I get, go ahead. I don't know. I don't know what's, fun, what's funny. What am I going to say? Harlan said something that I thought was funny about something. People always, well, you know, at the beginning when there was a toilet paper shortage and they couldn't get toilet paper, and he's like, and he's like, hey, Buzz, like, everybody's worrying about the fucking toilet paper. It's like <laughs> you got a fucking Stephen King's Carrie novel up there. Fucking you got... You wipe your ass with that novel for a good month. That's very good. No, there's plenty of funny stuff that that you could say about it. There's not. It's never too early. Fucking make a joke about it. I don't really know. I, there's just nothing is too early to make a joke about. Lisa, you went to ASU, my alma mater. Did you? 
participate in the comedy or improv group while there. I used to love watching The Far Side and Bear in Mind uh, perform at the MU between classes. The Memorial Union, that's right. No, I never did. I, I did stand-up. I never tried to do um, improv. Improv was never for me. Uh, but those guys were very talented. I do know who, what she's talking about. In the basement of the MU and the Memorial Union, you could you could walk by, you could look down and see people performing live in the middle of the day. They would do like lunch matinee shows in the middle of the day in the mu they were very funny actually i do remember that very vividly like they were good the far side was good bear in mind that got so weird that's like the same era as me she must have been around the same time that i was there lisa todd what was your experience and i'm dying up here do you think uh they had it did it accurately depicting uh the world of comedians oh man i don't know man that was in that show got canceled todd (laughs) yeah i mean but you did two seasons right no i know i'm kidding around yeah no i i think uh Oh, dude, I don't know, man. Do I think it accurately depicts the world of comedians? I'm not, I wasn't alive in 1973, so I couldn't really tell you. But from what I know from a lot of our critics, in terms of our critical peers, um, you know, a lot of the older comics were like, the problem was the show was too serious. It didn't show the fun side and the crazy side. It only showed kind of this, it was a dramatic show. The show was a drama. It showed like the kind of the the negative times and, and it wasn't a fair depiction of what was going on back then. To be to be honest, yes, I think we overdramatized a lot of things. I think the show's biggest downfall was not being funny enough, and it was all about like kind of the sadness and the heartache and the heartbreak. Mm. And I do agree that we deserve to be canceled because the show didn't find its footing. It was a lot of great acting on that show, but um, and great writing, but d- we didn't show enough love. There wasn't enough like having a really good time because a lot of most comedy, whether it's seventy three or n- now, comics are. You know, it's a fun, come to the green room, the comedy store once. You're like, oh my God, these guys are having a great time. I remember being in the green room, the comedy store many times, but like, I think you were there before, but like with me, I mean, you obviously were there, <laughs> but like uh, Rogan and Rogan doing his stretches or, or, or talking about things and, and, and just things health wise and like stretches and just people goofing on each other. And meanwhile, I had diarrhea because I'm a new comic. So I'm just shitting while these vet, vets are talking. I'm like, oh, my God, I got to memorize what I'm going to say. I, I have I said to Swartzen one day, I go, oh, yeah, I got some, uh, you know, some new stuff. He goes, oh, your shit's new, dude. You're fucking new. You only have new shit. <laughs> don't, don't, the, the new shit. Yeah. What's your new shit? Your new shit is your shit. And it's yeah, shit. Yeah, you're new. You're new shit. No, it, yeah, that, that place, I think that place is it's the greatest place in the world. We try to do justice about the, the history of the store a little bit, but um, the show was, 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 uh, you hated it, it. Moving on. No, I didn't hate it. Our <laughs> aim was good, but, uh, but we missed the target. If that means anything. Yeah. You know? Bob K is comedy hard in the current world. It seems so many people get offended so easily these days. Everyone's being judged in the, the court of public opinion. Mm, so it's a, that is rhetoric. That is fake news. I don't believe that. Don't spread that around, Bob. I think that's bullshit. This is this is one of these phrases that people kind of regurgitate that I don't buy anymore. When somebody's like, "Oh, everybody is, uh, everyone's so PC. What can you say anymore?" Re- really? Because not at all. I mean, every comic I know that's thriving right now, look at across the board. None of them are scared of what they're saying. Go look at the four specials that just came out on Netflix: Segura, Kreischer, Dalia. What are you talking about? Everyone's saying whatever the fuck they want. There is this. There is this weird. Um, there's this weird rhetoric that gets like recycled through society because some because somebody said it once, like you know Seinfeld was like you can't play colleges anymore because they're too sensitive, and then everyone is like, oh my god, everyone's so sensitive. It's like, dude, come to the comedy store when the before the pandy hit. The comedy store is the most is the most groundbreaking say whatever you want fucking place I've ever been a part of, and none of it slowed down at all. So I don't buy that stuff. I just think yeah. people want to people want to make it sound like. Um, people are too PC, but guess what? There's millions of people that that just want comedy, and they're not looking to get offended. You can be as politically incorrect as you want, as long as you like. Uh, look, as long as you're just not stupid, and you're saying things that are just really racist and fucking belligerently like, it, like for instance, also new comedians that are coming into it that are just like getting up there. They don't have as such a uh, what's the word. You guys sort of not not to have the right to be politically incorrect, but if you you've been doing it for years and years and years, you can get away with more probably because people follow you, right? Well, it's more about you. It's more about how you say it. It's like how it's not it's not what you say, but it's how you say it. So like, if you if someone can misconstrue what you say into something politically correct, may, incorrect, maybe that's their perception of what you're really saying. If you're going into something saying something with, um, 
with good intent and you want comedy out of it and it doesn't have any like vitriol or hate behind it, that it's just you making fun or light of something. If you know how to say it right, you can say anything. I mean, Bill Burr is a great example. You can say anything if you know how to say it right and you know how to make it funny. It's just, you know, yeah, some people just aren't funny and they say dumb shit and then they get them in trouble and you're like, well, that was your fault. You just aren't funny. <laughs> it wasn't funny. Like, I don't know. What Bryce, Bryce, I have a feeling this is my producer because he likes you. Since making the show, Dave, have you thought about starting a rap career under the name Lil Cheeto? <laughs> That's very funny. No, I'm never gonna. I'm never gonna have a rap career. Uh, but but for Dave, I will be Lil Cheeto. I'll be Lil Cheeto. L I L Lil Cheeto. Lil like Lil Wayne. Lil Cheeto. I love that. I love that. If your name is Lil, you don't necessarily have to be. You know, like uh, I'm six one, but I'll be Lil Cheeto. You know, big because you can't be Big Cheeto. It sounds because you have to be fat to be called Big. You know what I mean? So right. for Lil. Little, I'll be little Cheeto. No, no rap career for me, but I hope, um, I hope I can still look at my dog just came into my sex dungeon because yeah. she's looking, she's looking at my plate. She wants your plate or she wants the black. What do you want, Cubs? The, what's that thing? I named my dog after my favorite baseball team, the Chicago Cubs. Hey, Andrew Santito's here. I used to do Vin Scully. Vin was. Dude, do Vince. I love Vin Scully. Yeah. He'd go, uh, Dodger ball, two down. Uh, Conseco's up to bat. Big arms, big guy, nice guy, good guy, and that's one out to right. <laughs> he had this like very like quick, snappy, up and down like Dodger ball, Dodger down, Dodger dog, Dodger days, Dodger days here in Chavez Ravine. There, there, there's a guy Bob Murphy for the Mets. He passed away many years, but he had that accent where he'd be like, "Hold on, a beautiful day for a ball game." Fans filing in off the subway ramp. Um, now it's honeydew season, folks. Honeydew this and honeydew that. And my uncle went up to him and goes, Bob Murphy, fuck, Bob Murphy, you're like my favorite announcer. He goes, ooh, that is so very kind of you. He just had that. And on the ground ball through the middle, it's a base hit. A base hit by Jimmy Crawls, and it breaks up the perfect game. Now the applause for Tom Seaver. It just it makes baseball cool because you just feel so relaxed. I miss it so much, man. I, I miss baseball so much. You don't have to be there to be there. It's the greatest sport in the world. That like if someone's like, I don't really like baseball, you're like, you don't want to just go hang out outside with friends. What are you talking about? <laughs> That's perfect. Really? You just want to have a few beers and just uh, yell at people? It's like when somebody says they don't like golf and they're like, Oh, I don't I don't like golf. It's like, well, have you ever tried it? And they go, No, it's like I don't want to do that shit. It's like, dude, name a time when you can go drink beer outside with friends for four hours uninterrupted. Name and name, like, what do you mean? It's baseball and golf. It's why I love them both. You can go hang out with buddies. You don't have to be good. You don't have to care about, about the game or your own personal. You just go hang out with friends. It's, 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 it's about camaraderie. It has nothing to do with anything else. But don't we all do that? Don't we all? I'm sure you do, but we all do. We're like that. Oh, I don't want to do that when you have it. And then you do it and you're like, oh, that's pretty cool. I've learned to be better, actually. Over the years, I've learned to just go, I'll try it. And then I try it. And if I still don't like it, I'm like, mm, I tried it. It wasn't my thing. But more than ever, I've been more about go, just going, okay, I'll, I'll, see if it's, it's, I'll see if it sucks. Like, I'll see if I really don't like it. But when you're young, you're like, no way. But when you get older, I feel like you're like, I'll do it. I don't fucking, what do I give a shit? Like, I'm okay with being a tourist. I talk about that. Um, um, I used to talk about it on stage. I used to be so afraid of being a tourist. And now I'm like, I'm going to the Eiffel Tower first thing I do. Like, I don't give a shit. What do you mean? I'm going to die one day. I'm not going to be the guy that went to Rome and didn't go to the Coliseum. You're an asshole. You're an asshole. You're an asshole. I think that's right. And I can be an asshole. Dude, listen, this was a great time. It really was. And I, and you know, I really, other than like meeting you a couple of times and, and thinking you were a funny guy and a nice guy, I really didn't know, but I want to congratulate you on bad friends. I love, I love Bobby Lee. I love you. And I think, I think it's really funny and I really enjoy watching it. And, uh, and you get, what else you got? Dave, Dave's still going. Dave is uh, our show on FX. It's on Hulu now because uh, uh, FX is done showing it because the season's done. But go to Hulu. You can watch it on Hulu. Um, if you have international fans, uh, it's all over. It's BBC One. It's on the British networks now. It's all over uh, Western and making its way to Eastern Europe. And then um, we'll be back for season two, hopefully in 2021, if the world isn't totally burnt down to the ground. So. And what's your handle? What's your handle, buddy? Cheeto Santino on Twitter and Instagram. And everywhere, wherever you can find me, um, it's Cheeto Santino, C-H-E-E-T-O-S-A-N-T-I-N-O. You following me? No. Oh, yeah, I think so. I don't know. I actually don't, don't know if you are. No, I don't know that stuff either. I don't, I don't pay much attention to it. But should I? Are you good on there? Are you good on Twitter? And sure. Yeah, you'll have some fun. Which one are you better on? Uh, I don't know. Instagram I have a little fun with. 
you know, I just do goofy shit. But I'm going through some of the content, and a lot of this is really terrible. It's you with your shirt off. Well, no, 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 no. You got to listen to it. You, you like, don't with do your shirt Look off. at the one with it's me and my dog, you fuck. Off. It's you with your shirt off. A lot of you with your shirt off. That's not true. There's two with my shirt off, maybe. Did you ever think about getting a tattoo above your penis that says Smallville? Mm. I was going to get one. <laughs> I'm not going to get into this. Dude, listen, this is a lot of fun. I want. I hope I'm on Whiskey Ginger. I'd love to come on. Yes, That'd be I, want, great. I want you to come on. You'd be It'd fucking be awesome on there. I love it. Hey, good luck. Best of luck with everything, man, you're doing. Enjoy the success. Uh, and uh, I, I got nothing else, man. This has been a good time. Thank you for allowing me to be inside of you, buddy. Thank you. I love you. I hope you guys enjoyed today's podcast. Uh, I appreciate you all listening again. Thank you. If you're enjoying this, um, you know, it's obviously free. So, you know, if you're you know, join Patreon or I don't know, uh, send an email telling other people to listen to it or write a review. What's the deal? I don't know. It's nice of you to help out. It really is. And I, it means a lot to me. So big shout out to my uh, patrons. I love you. You know who you are. Here we go. Nancy D. Mary B. I'm going to shoot them out. Here we go. Leah S. Trisha F. Sarah V. Yukiko. Jill E, Brian H, Lauren G, Nico P, Barry I, Barry L. I think it's Barry I. Why do I keep messing it up, Barry? Angelina G, Jerry W, Kevin R, Emily K, Rob B. Sorry, Bob B. Robert B. Don't get confused with Bob B and Robert B, please. Jason W, Kristen K, Allison L, Raj, Sean W, Joshua D, Emily S, CJP, Samantha M. Uh, Hamza B, Jennifer N, Stacy B, Carly T, Reem, Jennifer S, Janelle B, Tabitha 272, Kimberly E, Melissa C, Mike E, Jake M, Marisa N, Jack S, not Jack S, Jack S, my boy, Slata, Judah D, Ramira, Beth B, Chris F, Sarah F, Chad W, Leanne P, hi Leanne, hi Darlo W, Jackie P, Rodrigo, Rodrigo S. Ration, ration. Ray A, Maya P, Megan D, Demario. I think that does it for the top tier patrons. A big shout out to uh, my friends at Fat Scooters. Uh, they've got uh, great stuff, and uh, they're going to do some spots here later on. But I, uh, they just sent me a beautiful scooter, and I love it. And it helps me during this time, so I can just cruise around the neighborhood with my mask. But I love Fat Scooters, P-H-A-T, and... Uh, they're not a sponsor, but Papo J's right here. I love this. It's uh, Papo J's is like a vodka, only different, made out of nectar from the flowers of coconut trees. Papo J's delivers a smooth, crisp taste, perfect for cocktails or on the rocks. And uh, you know what? You're going to get $25 off for shipping using the code ROSIE25. Go to PapoJays, P-A-P-O-J-S dot com. Um, and it's H-T-T-P colon slash slash. P-A-P-O-J-S dot com. Uh, Camp Rosie is still scheduled for October 31st. Haven't put out the event brights or anything like that yet. We're still seeing what happens in this world. And right now the world is a little upside down, but uh, we'll let you know. Um, and uh, be on the lookout for some Instagram lives. Love to join you. Thanks to my patrons, both patrons. Where have all the good horror movies gone? My inside of you patron. Um, stay safe. I hope you enjoyed this one. Um, all right. Welcome to Talkville, the ultimate Smallville rewatch podcast. Guest star Sarah Carter as Alicia Baker. Although I didn't really work with her a lot. But Tom did, and they had some real big smoochy scenes. Yeah. Can we talk about that? Could there be any more sex? What was the three-page makeout scene that just kept going? Good Lord. We get it. They have chemistry. Jump in now or catch up on any of the past seasons of Talkville on YouTube or wherever you listen.